Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate on a big day, JT with you, brought to you by PT's, the best happy hour in town. PT's fuels the monologue. What an exciting day today. It's my honor to welcome in the all-time hit king on his birthday with a big announcement, my friend, the great Pete Rose. Pete, happy birthday. Thanks for doing this. How are you, my friend? Rick, it's always a pleasure being on your show. Uh, I enjoy listening to you simply because... You have the knowledge, you have the delivery, and you don't you don't bull crap around. You get right to the point, which is really good these days for a reporter or someone that's doing interviews. I appreciate being on your show. I, you know, we work together, we know each other, uh, we trust each other, uh, and, and that's why we'll have a good interview today. Absolutely. You know, I think the world to you. You gave me one of the biggest breaks in my career. But before we get into baseball. Tell me about your birthday, your family, your loved ones, this milestone. How you feeling? Well, I'm over in L.A., and, uh, of course, I did dinner last night, and I'm doing dinner tonight, and then I'll drive back to Vegas where I live, uh, over there behind Aria. And uh, it's just another day, Jay, because my family's spread out. My daughter's in Seattle. My son and daughter are in Cincinnati, uh, and my other son is uh, in Vegas So uh, with his two boys. So... You know, I don't get to see the family as much as I'd like to, but uh, every time I get the opportunity, uh, I see my kids or my grandkids. Pete Rose joins us. So I'm thinking of you last night. I'm on the air, and there's a doubleheader with the Mets and the Phillies. It's a seven-inning doubleheader, seven innings. So one game ends in the seventh inning. The other game ends in the eighth inning. When those games are over, I turn on the Giant game. That game's in the ninth inning. Pete, how are fans supposed to understand when they're switching channels like you do, an unbelievable fan, what inning the game is, if it's a doubleheader or seven innings? I think this is insanity for the fans to keep track of. I I, I agree with you, Brick. I mean, uh... You know, I'm the biggest baseball fan there is. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, I don't know if you'll agree with me or disagree with me. Baseball is tough to watch today. Uh, you know, I don't know who put that out, that the, they took the juice out of the ball. I'll guarantee you, we can't count last year because of the pandemic. But I'll guarantee you, April 14, 2021, uh, is about, doesn't have more home runs or will have more home runs than April 14, 2019. I mean, I watch baseball, as you do, and I'm so sick and tired of every game uh, being three or four home runs hit. And now, what, Acumia? Acumia? Is that how you say it from mm-hmm. Atlanta? What, he hit one 485 feet the other night? Yeah, and the he ball, did. He... And the ball's not used? Come on. Why, why do they keep uh, you know, giving us that baloney uh, as fans? I'm just a fan just like you are. But uh, baseball is ridiculous. I mean, just... Uh, if you don't hit home runs, you don't win. It, it's it's just amazing how many guys aren't worried about getting hits. They aren't worried about a batting average. They aren't worried about getting two out singles with a man on second or a man on third. All they worry about is hitting home runs. And I'll tell you why. Because the owners have convinced the players that if you hit 20 to 30 home runs, you're going to make $15 million a year or more. And they're willing to give up batting averages, RBI opportunities, things like that to hit home runs to make more money. It seems like there's only a handful of teams, Brick, I don't know how you feel about this, that really give a damn about winning. Yeah, Pete, it happens in the NBA too. But I'll tell you, I was thinking of you too the other day. I was going to text you, Aaron Boone, and obviously your connection to the Boone family from Cincinnati. He has to have a press conference because he said Aaron Judge, who had a couple of homers today, he had some soreness on the side after five games because of all the at-bats he took. And I said, well, oh, my God, they're putting this manager in a position where he's got to talk to the media about Judge, who, by the way, wants three to $400 million in the number one media market, and they had to shut him down after five games, Pete. That's, that's why the Yankees are going to struggle. The Yankees got great personnel, okay? But it seems like every year, Judge and Stanton, will play 130 to 135 games. The schedule is 162 games, okay? 
Can you imagine me missing a game because I have a sore ankle? I wouldn't miss a game if I had a broken ankle and I'm in a cast. But, uh, I mean, these uh, we'll never get to this, uh, Britt, but if you, if you walk in your clubhouse and there's a sign on the wall that says, if you play today, you get paid. These players would never take days off. They would never take days off, and they would get mad at the manager if he, if he ever took them out of the lineup because they don't have to play. They're signing all these multi-year – and I'm not opposed to players making millions of dollars because you're as good as you can negotiate, okay? But it, you owe it to your fans to go out there and play every day, whether you have a headache or whether you have the flu or whatever. Unless you can't play the game, then you don't play. But you can't miss game after game because you got a sore back or you got a sore shoulder or you got a sore ankle. I mean, what is what is what is baseball coming to? I thought these guys were tough, I mean, but but there's just not enough enough tough players out there today. And there's a lot of bad teams, as you know. And I and I'm not I'm not criticizing baseball now on your show, okay? Mm-hmm. But you know and I know. There's more bad teams than there are good teams. We could count, we could count the good teams on one hand or maybe two at the most. And there's 30 teams in baseball. So that means there's 20 bad teams. Think about it, Jay. I mean, you know who all the bad teams mm-hmm. are. I mean, it, it's just amazing that even the bad teams have high salaries. And, hey, Rose, and what the donors don't understand, uh, you know, why, why does uh, – uh, Chicago fill up every day, okay? Why does why don't Cincinnati fill up every day? Why don't Pittsburgh fill up every day? Uh, why do Yankees fill up every day? Why do the Cubs fill up every day? They do it right, but there's too many teams that do it wrong. You have to give the fans a reason to come to the ballpark, and once they get there, you got to get them uh, give them a reason to keep coming back. You know, what's, what's the sense of playing baseball if you got 8,000 people at the game? Well, I know now because the pandemic, but if, if, if some teams got 40,000, 45,000, then this team's got eight or 10,000, they're not doing a good job. They're not selling their players. You have to have fans. You have to have fans. And the ratings in baseball are going down. They're not going up. You know, the World Series last year was one of the lowest-rated World Series ever. Okay, why is that? Because I, I don't think that the lords of baseball, if you want to call them that, they don't know what the hell they're doing. They put a man on second in the next year inning game. What's that all about? I mean, yeah, I wanted, you, to, I, wanted to, I wanted to lead you right into that. Could you imagine Pete Rose, Joe Morgan, Johnny Bench, George Foster making the last out of an inning? Sparky saying, go out to second base. Go out to second base. You're the lead runner. And this is where I couldn't wait to ask you because – Okay, we got to deal with this. We both don't like it, but I'm watching a game early with the Yankees, and you don't bunt the runner over. There's a man on second, extra innings. You're the home team. The road team didn't get a run. You win the game with a base hit. Do you bunt the runner over to third, Pete, and win on a sacrifice fly? What's the philosophy? I don't know what the philosophy is because uh, a guy, you're going to send a guy up there to try to make an out to get the guy to the third. So make an out and bunt him the third. And then the infield comes in, and you got so many different ways to score a run. They just won't bunt them over. You don't see many teams. I guess uh, Philadelphia does because of Girardi, but there's not there's not that many teams that sacrifice today. The sacrifice bunt. What happened to the sacrifice bunt? What happened to the hit and run? You know, Philadelphia is the only team that hits and runs. I mean, I, I just don't get it, but uh, what these men, are, are they scared to ask the player to bunt them over because he can't get the headlines to get in a base hit or hitting a home run? You know, and I know, and the players ought to know, and the managers ought to know, you got more ways to score with a man on third and one out, okay, than a man on second, no outs. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just common sense. you, you got to have belief in the hitter that's coming up. Uh, well, what are you going to say? They're going to put the next two on and have the bases loaded. Good. Then you can score. Then you can score three or four runs in the inning. Or, or how about breaking up a double play? How about sliding into a catcher? How about slide, uh, pitching inside as a pitcher? You can't pitch inside once you get worn. That takes the inside pitch away from you. The rules. I don't know who's changing these rules in baseball, but 1869 when baseball started. 
it was a pretty good game. And now they start changing. They, they, they sit in New York and, and figure out a way to change another rule for next year. Is that Joe Torrey? Who is at this head of the rules committee? Yeah, and on top of it, Rob Manford's approving all of this. Pete Rhodes joins us on his birthday, the all-time hit king. Hey, Pete, on a positive note, because you're so positive about baseball, I compare Mike Trout to you all the time. I'm out west. You're in L.A. We're both in Vegas. Most of the country doesn't see Trout. The game started at 1030 Eastern. It's midnight. Next thing you know, Mike Trout's got two more at-bats. He plays as hard as you played. He's putting up numbers that will compare with you in the all-time grades, and they don't market him. We don't talk enough about him unless he has a two-home run game and a couple of doubles. Well, that's that's the disadvantage of playing uh, on the West Coast. Uh, The only thing I don't like about Trout, uh, JT, and you'll understand this, you know, when you're a good player like him, and he's one of the – who's the best player in baseball, him or Betts? Mookie Betts is pretty good. Okay, yeah. but the difference in Mookie Betts and, and and Mike Trout is Mookie Betts' team gets to the playoffs, gets to the World Series. Anaheim never seems to get to the next step. And when you got a player as good as Trout, he's got some Rondones on that team, Poulos is on that team. I mean, he's got some good players on that team. Otami uh, is on that team. So he's got some pretty good players. But he just can't lead him to the promised land. I don't understand that. Uh, you know, Mookie Betts was in the World Series last year. He, he was uh, a good teammate in Boston. Uh, he does everything except his hit as many home runs as Trout. You know, the difference in me and Trout are home runs. You know, I scored runs. I played defense. Uh, but I won game. And I had I had a good supporting cast. Matter of fact, I was part of the supporting cast when Bench was playing, when Morgan was playing, when Perez was playing. So you've got to have good teammates, which Mike Trout does, and he's got a good manager in Joe Madden. He won the World Series a couple of years ago with Chicago. Yeah. But they just, they just, it seems like the, the Anaheim Angels don't know how to spend money. Okay, when's the time they signed a really, really good pitcher? For a long-term contract, I can't remember any. You you can't win, JT, if you don't have pitching, and if you don't have defense, you've got to have pitching and defense to win games. Because every team in baseball, you know this, they score every night because of the home run. And I know a lot of these new ballparks are all band boxes. I mean, it's a joke to play in Cincinnati. It's a joke to play in Houston. It's a joke to play in Philadelphia. Atlanta's new ballpark's a joke. Right center field at Yankee Stadium is a joke. There are so many small ballparks and bigger athletes. Do you agree with that? I agree 100% with it, and that's a trend that's not going to change because they want more entertainment in the ballpark. They want to move the game quicker. And, again, you know I do a lot of radio. And we talk a few times a year, and I can't believe that Major League Baseball is in such a rush, Pete, to get everybody out of the ballpark. I get you don't want a four-hour Yankee-Red Sox game for TV. I get that. But now coming off COVID and a pandemic and trying to get butts in the seats again, everybody's trying to move it. Everybody's looking at their watch. You and I have talked. You've been watching games, and when you go to games, you look at people looking at their phone. They had to put nets up nets up down the foul line because they're worried about people not watching the game. And you talk to a lot of fans, Pete. What do they say to you about the modern era of baseball compared to the era you played in? It seems like the biggest uh, uh, controversy for fans in baseball is baseball don't know how. They don't know how to make the game faster. I mean, you, you can't have a fast game, Jay. If every pitch, every player steps out of the box to readjust his batting gloves, okay? Get some batting gloves that you don't have to adjust every pitch. I mean, but, but fans are fickled in this way, okay? When you pan in the audience like you just talked about, fans are doing one of two things I see, and I watch two games every day. They're either on their phone or they're eating, okay? And, and, and fans will complain about the price of tickets, uh, well, it, it costs too much to go to a baseball game. Well, baseball is the best bargain in sports because they play 81 home games. Okay, basketball plays 41. Hockey plays 41 home games. But it, you, it, it costs you a lot to go to the game if you're going to drink three beers and eat four hot dogs. The people who make, yeah. a, make out are the concessionaires. Now, I don't know how they can do it, JT, but I'll tell you how to speed up the games. Because every umpire has his own strike zone. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm like you. I watch games every night. 
and I got more at-bats and more hits than anybody in the history of baseball, I cannot figure out the strike zone anymore in baseball. Everybody's got their own strike zone. You know, all these players come up and they got the, the uniform pants down around their ankles, okay? How you, how you make the game faster is just tell umpires to call more strikes. Sure, you'll have more arguments, but once – you know, when I used to play JT – and right before the game, the four umpires walk out from underneath the stadium, and there's one guy that's got a mask in his hand. Now, that's the guy that's going to be behind plate. Now, I know him, okay? Is he a high-ball umpire? Is he a low-ball umpire? Is he a pitcher's umpire? Is he a hitter's umpire? Is he a good umpire? Is he a bad umpire? And all I want him to do is do what he does on a consistent night. Just like the night before I broke the record, Lee Wire. Okay, umpire had passed away. He was at first base, and he looked at me and said, Petey, he said, you'll break that record tomorrow night. I said, how do you know, Lee? He said, because you'll be swinging because I'm behind home plate. And he was a pitcher's umpire. Wow. He was absolutely right. If Dutch Renner was back there, his strike zone's about 12 inches. Okay, so you can be more patient. But if you know an umpire's going to call a lot of strikes, you're not going to screw around. You're going you're to gonna try to get a pitch to hit and get out of there. And the only way you're going to speed up the game is umpires calling more strikes because there's too many players up there that just take too many pitches. And that, uh, and, and there's so many pitching changes today because no one goes eight or nine innings. Every time you have a pitching change, to, uh, uh, JT, you, you have time added on to the time of the game. Like, hell, we had, we had a couple games last year in September where 12 pitchers were used on, on both teams. How can you have a two-hour game? You can't. Baseball's got to figure out a way to speed up the game because people got other things they want to do with their life. You know, but, but there again, fans are fickle in this respect. Mm-hmm. If you're a Red Sox fan, you go to the game tonight, okay, and, and they lose one to nothing, you're pissed off on the way home. You come back tomorrow night, and the game took two hours that night. You're mad on the way home. You come back the next night, and the Red Sox win 15-2, to two, and the game took four hours. You're happy on the way home. Right. Fans are hard to please. Pete Rose joins us on his birthday. What a tremendous honor. We'll get to some more with Pete here. Pete, I wanted to ask you, because since 2000, a lot of your peers, your friends, legendary Hall of Famers have passed away. And I'm going to go down a list of a few of them. And I'd like your comments, not only on your friendship, but the impact that they had as baseball players and what it was like to compete against. I have to start with the king, Henry Aaron. Well, I remember my first All-Star game, uh, JT, it was in Minneapolis in 65. And I'm just a kid, my first All-Star game. And I get to the ballpark for the workout on Monday. The game's on Tuesday. And the clubhouse guys got me locker in between Mays and Aaron. And I, I just slapped myself. So what the hell am I doing here? You know, Willie Mays and Hank Aaron. And I'll never forget Henry and Willie because they both treated me like I was part of the team. They didn't treat me like I was a young kid first time being in an all-star game. And Henry always was very friendly to me. But they all had the same trait, uh, JT. You know, Henry, uh, Willie, uh, uh, Roberto, usual. They always want to talk about hitting the young players. They always try to make the game better. And there was no no one better than uh, Hammer and Hank. And in those days, you could – you know, during batting practice, you know, pranization rules, so you could stand out behind the cage and watch the opposition hit and talk to the opposition is taking taking batting practice. You know, and a lot of times, I mean, my 17 All-Star games, Hank was probably there most of the years, and Willie was probably there most of the years I was at the All-Star game. And we won 16 out of the 17 All-Star games. Why? Because in those days, if you were in the all right, we just lost Pete, and we'll get him right back. I knew that phone was going down. This is so good. Wait, wait till you hear what I'm about to ask him about these Hall of Famers who passed away. This will be radio gold as we get him to call back in. And a quick story on Henry Aaron. When I was the co-host of the Pete Rose Show, we're at the MGM in the sports book, and he goes, what do we have on today? Who do we have today, JT? I go, I don't know, Pete. Who do you want? And he gives me this black book, and he says, because, call Henry. So yeah, because, uh, pick, it up, pick it up with Henry Aaron. Go ahead, Pete. Yeah, because in those days, Jay, uh, we didn't have a lot of guys changing leagues. Now, if you were to ask, uh, of course, uh, K-Line passed away, you guys like that, who were the best league? they tell you the American League. 
if you ask Henry or you ask Willie or you ask Clemente, which you can't obviously, uh, they would tell you the National League. So when we played an all-star game, uh, we had no interleague play. So we were playing for league pride. And that gets you over the hump sometimes because you're trying to beat uh, the American League as a National Leaguer to show the world that you had a better league. And that's totally changed because so many guys change change leagues now. And, you know, each league plays each other with interleague play. The only interleague play I had when I played uh, was spring training baseball. So, you know, when I had an all-star game, I wanted to beat, beat the hell out of the, the American League. And I remember we had a, a league president named Warren Giles, who was Bill Giles' uh, dad. And he is is. His office was in Cincinnati, Ohio, and he used to come in before the game to give us a pep talk. And, JT, I'm telling you, you could see the veins in his neck pop out because he believed the All-Star game was his opportunity to show the world that the National League was superior to the American League. And he said, if you guys don't bust your ass today, you won't make this team next year. And in those days, you wanted to make the All-Star game because it gave you something to, to negotiate with the, the following year. So it was it was a pride thing to make the all-star team in the 60s and 70s. Pete Rose joins us. Tell us about your friendship and what it was like to step in the box against Bob Gibson and Tom Seaver. Let's start with Bob. Well, Bob Gibson, uh, I can safely say that probably was the most competitive pitcher I ever faced. But all the, all the great ones are. Seaver. Carlton, Colfax, Drysdale, Marichelle, Perry. I mean, all the Hall of Fame pitchers are competitive. And uh, I remember the first first week I'm in the league, I'm in St. Louis. I'm a rookie. I'm playing second base. And Gibson hit a double. And I went over and I said, what'd you hit, Gibby? And he didn't answer me. So I said, maybe I'm not talking loud enough. I said, what'd you hit, Gibby? He didn't talk to me. So the inning's over. My manager is Fred Hutchison. I go in and I say, Hutch, let me ask you a question. He said, yeah, Rook. I said, is Bob Gibson a deaf mute? He said, why? I said, because I asked him two times what he hit, and he didn't answer me. He said, oh, no, you don't talk to the opposition. Now it's the next day, and I'm at the cage watching Dick Roth and, and, and Musial and the rest of them take batting practice, and Gibson walks out of the, the, the dugout, walks by the batting cage, and he, he walked by him. He said, it was, a, it was a slider, Rook. It took him 24 hours but he talked to me after 24 hours. Now when I used to do appearances with him before he passed away, he would never stop talking. He would never stop talking to you. He was a great guy, but he didn't want, he did not want to be your friend if you're opposition. Seaver was the same way, and I played with Seaver in Cincinnati. Had his only no-hitter in 77. But Carlton was a great, great competitor. He was a great teammate, too. But all the great pitchers, the Marichels, the Gofaxes, the Drysdales, the Fergies, they, they're all, they all have the same traits. They're very competitive. You don't go to the Hall of Fame if you're not competitive, okay? And, and I was lucky enough to face, face 19 Hall of Famers. Listen to this stat. This is unbelievable. I've, I've batted 480 times off of Hall of Fame pitchers, and I hit the same as I did against everybody else, 303. Wow. That's an amazing stat. That is the all-time hit king, Pete Rose, as we wrap it up before we get to you pick trade. And Pete, one of the one of the biggest one of the biggest perks one of the biggest perks I've had working with the Raiders is who I see on the sidelines. And I got to know yeah. Joe Morgan well through you and seeing him a lot in Oakland. And I always yeah. talked about it and I mentioned with you the the race relations that I learned from Joe and how Joe brought people together. When Joe passed I was able to text you, but I didn't talk to you about it. What was the loss like of Joe Morgan to you and your family? Well, he's one of my best friends. Of course, I played with Joe many, many years, and I must tell you uh, that Joe Morgan was uh, the most intelligent player I ever played with. Joe was amazing, uh, JT, because when he used to get up first and, and the opposition knew, everybody in the seats knew, we knew he was going to steal a base, and he'd still steal it. I mean, he was amazing. He didn't steal bases just to steal bases. He stole bases to win games. And, uh, you know, thank God we got him over from Houston uh, because he was on the stage, which he should have been on the stage. He won back-to-back MVPs. 
But he was a great guy off the field. He lockered, he lockered right next to me, and we become really good friends. Uh, he was the guy that uh, I went out with on the road mostly. I didn't go out with Perez because he didn't speak English. <laughs> I didn't go out with Johnny because he was single and he always had a girl with him. So I had to settle for Joe Morgan. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. Uh, Joe, Pete Rose. Joe was so much fun to play with. I mean, because he, 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 I never seen Joe make a mental mistake, a mental mistake. Sure, he made errors, but he didn't throw the wrong base. He didn't do things like that. I mean, he, he was fundamentally sound, okay? And I remember when he first got to Cincinnati, this is funny, JT. I looked at him. I said, Joe, let me ask you a question. I said, do you like to hit when the pitcher's in the stretch? He said, hell yeah, everybody does. I said, we see that office over there, Sparky's office. I said, you go in there and tell him you want to hit after me. <laughs> <laughs> You're always on <laughs> base. The pitch, because the pitcher's going to be in the stretch most of the time. <laughs> Absolutely. Hashtag forty two fifty six. The next day hey JT, the next day he was hit the second <laughs> Hitting behind Pete Rose was a great thing. All right, Pete, let's get to you pick trade. You oh, decided yeah. to partner up with a company. You're going to be giving advice on betting on baseball and other sports. Big decision for you and your brand. Tell me how the deal came about. Oh no, we just had some friends in Mexico and, and and uh, they want me to try to pick games for them, which is fine. You're better off picking games and betting on them. And hopefully I can give some guidance to people who want to bet every day. That's, that's, the, that's the, what we're trying to accomplish here. Now, I'll pick my games and see how good I do. And if you want to follow me, you know, you, you just sign up and, and, and have fun. But I watch, all, I watch all sports. I mean, I'm a great Golden Knight fan. I mean, yeah. the, the hockey team in Vegas is unbelievable. I mean, what are they, 28-11 again this year? That they're going to the Stanley Cup Finals the first year? I don't know if you've been to many uh, Golden Knight games. I have. It, it's a happening. Oh, it's not amazing. a game. It's happening. It's the best sporting event you can go to. And I've been to all of them. It's better than an NBA game. It's better than an NFL game. And it's better than an MLB game. I mean, they put on a show. And you know, and I know, because you live there, Vegas knows how to put on a show. And the Golden Knights do a great job selling their game and selling their players and selling the sport. So, Pete, you're going to be picking also other sports. So from yeah. horse racing to hockey yeah. to all these other sports. So, again, yeah. let's tell the listeners how to get involved here. Youpicktrade.com. Obviously, there's sign-up deals for autographed yeah. baseballs if they follow your pick. This is an well, elaborate move here, and a lot of people yeah. want to get involved. Well, I'm not going to pick 20 games a day. Uh-huh. You know, I might pick one or two baseball games. I might pick one basketball game. You know, you just uh, – but there again, when you follow the sport, uh, you got to know who's hot, who's not, uh, where they're playing, who's pitching, all the things that go into betting on a, on, on a game. Is a quarterback out? Is a backup quarterback in? Is your top defensive player not playing? Is your top scorer not playing in the NBA? And if you follow sports, which I do, it's all I have to do now because I'm not working in Vegas right now because we're shut down as far as mm-hmm. signing autographs and stuff like that. So uh, my TV is always on, uh, you know, a sports channel. I get all the, all the different games on TV, and uh, I, most, I mostly watch baseball because mm-hmm. I get a lot of calls from players who want me to watch them and see what they're doing right, what they're doing mm-hmm. wrong. And I, ta- and I take that uh, very, uh, very serious. If I can help a player become a better player, I'm going to jump on it. Uh, and if I can help a gambler win money just by uh, believing in what I picked, then so be it. That's what we're going to do. Uh, it's, it's, it's not against the law. It's nothing bad. It's mm-hmm. just uh, who knows more about baseball than I do. Okay? Nobody. And I'm going to give you my picks in the world of baseball. I'm not always right, but I'm not always wrong. And hopefully well, – Pete- Yeah, I got to ask you this question because, you know, after this interview, your critics and the press release and the press conference are going to ask you because, you know, I'm one of the forefront leaders with the Hall of Fame. We have this conversation once a year. The majority of people that I talk to want you in the Hall of Fame now. They wanted you in 10, 20 years ago. You handle that conversation the way you want to handle it. But if your critics say this is going to get you involved with gambling publicly by picking games, what do you say to them? Well, listen. Who is, who is in the gambling world more than baseball? 
Huh? Nobody. Hello. Yeah. Nobody. Okay. So uh, I'm not gambling. I'm picking games. It's just like if you call me up and say, who you like tonight? I'll say who I like. That don't mean it's going to win or not. I'm not betting on it. I'm just putting, I'm, I'm putting my knowledge to people who want to bet on it. And, and listen, Jay, don't worry about the Hall of Fame. I, I give up on that. I've been suspended 31 years. Okay? I've been suspended 31 years. I don't know if you knew this, but not last year, not 2020, but 2019. Did you know that every day there's 30 managers in baseball? Fans are get a kick out of this. There's 30 managers in baseball, and they got to send their lineup, email it to baseball 15 minutes before the game. Mm-hmm. Okay? Every night the manager's got to email his lineup. You know what baseball does with it? They email it to MGM Grand. Just so there's not a mistake on who's pitching or who's not pitching, and a casino can get hurt. Now, if that's not being involved with baseball, I mean, I don't know what is. And but Pete, the right. reason, yeah, and the reason I ask you this question is, I think the hypocrisy in all the sports, especially with sports gambling, and you, you know, I've lived in Vegas a long time. There yeah. are thousands of people that pick games like you're picking now and the hypocrisy of people saying well you can pick or you have twitter or you can do it on a site you can sell picks you can do this or that the hypocrisy has never been higher if the all-time hit king my favorite player of all time who knows more about baseball than anyone wants to give out advice on who's going to win a baseball game i 100 percent support what you're talking about plus you make money you have multiple jobs you feed your family and, again, I'm happy what you said about the Hall of Fame because you've been waiting too long, and a lot of my listeners, that's all they want to talk about is Pete and the Hall, Pete and the Hall. And I don't think anything should be holding you back to make it's, money and live out, live out your life. Listen, I lived the last 25 years in spite of baseball, not okay, and anything that I might do connected to baseball. Listen to this, Jay. I mean, I think this is kind of funny. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. The Cincinnati Reds play great American ballparks on Pete Rose way. Okay. Now I've been suspended since 1989 and we got that new ballpark. Now I don't know how many years it's been for great American ballpark. I have never been allowed to go in the clubhouse or in the batting cage. Now you think that I can't go in that batting cage and help some of the young Cincinnati red players become better players. Is, is, is that an amazing situation? And why is that? Why won't that change? Why won't people because, come together and make this right? For baseball. It's just like when I got suspended from baseball, uh, Cooperstown changed the rule. They changed the rule that a, that a suspended player can't, cannot be on the ballot. I've never been allowed to be on the ballot. But there again, Jay, I'm over that. Okay, I don't. When I go to bed tonight, buddy, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pray that I get up. That, that I that I go to the Hall of Fame. I'm gonna pray that I get up tomorrow. Yeah. And I, I, I think I probably go to the Hall of Fame uh, once I once they lay me to rest. And let me tell you something. What the Hall of Fame is, uh, great. All the guys in the Hall of Fame are great. But the Hall of Fame is more for your fans and your family. Okay. So if I'm gone, they can still enjoy it if it ever happens. And I, I, here, here's my philosophy, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't know your stance on this. You can't have a Hall of Fame if Barry Bonds is not in it. You cannot have a Hall of Fame that Roger Clemens is not in it. That guy won seven Cy Youngs. Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer of Pittsburgh before he went to San Francisco. I mean, you know, it seems like they put so many guys in the Hall of Fame that don't belong in the Hall of Fame. you agree with that or disagree with it? I agree with it 100%. It's a Hall of Fame. But also, as you know, we've talked about this privately. You know, I like to keep the steroid guys out. And if they're going to wait, they're going to have to wait longer than you. I've said this world, Pete, is about forgiveness. We forgive politicians. We forgive husbands and yeah. wives. We forgive everybody. Yeah. And I've always thought with you, and I've told you this as a friend, that the level now of forgiveness for Pete Rose, who came clean on all of this, has yeah. been too long. We know the mistake. You've atoned for it. And now the fans want to see you in Cooperstown. Well, the thing about it, Jay, is, is are you going to tell me that Clemens and, and Bonds are the only two guys that ever took steroids? You're going no, to tell me there's nobody in the Hall of Fame that's linked to steroids? You know there is. 
Mm-hmm. Why they single those two out? I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you why. No, no, no. Let me, let me, day, let me finish Roger. this. Let me finish this, please. Here's why: because there was no way Bonds could have got past your good friend, his godfather, Willie Mays. Wouldn't have got close. I don't think yeah. Clemens on the back end of his career in Toronto would have been that dominant. I don't. I didn't like the fact that certain great players who are going to be Hall of Famers extended their money, their brand, and got to Babe Ruth and Henry Aaron by using performance-enhancing drugs. Pete, I'm a purist. I, I don't believe in that. Okay, I- I listen to what you're saying, but what about when Roger Clemens till this day says he didn't take him? Yeah, I fair. Mean, who, who am I to doubt Roger Clemens? Uh, the, because his teammate said he saw him saw him take it, pet it. Was that Pettit who said that? That's a great teammate to have, isn't it? And I don't think Bonds took steroids. I, I could be wrong about this, but I don't think he started taking steroids until Sosa and McGuire had that home run derby that one year. Mm-hmm. And Bond said, well, I'll show you guys. But if, if that worked as easy as it did for those two, why wouldn't there be more guys to, that take steroids? Yeah, why I wasn't – yeah, I wasn't planning on having this conversation with you to the end because, again, okay. this is your birth. This is your birthday. We're we're talking about you pick trade, but I wanted to end on this. That this is really important. What you said really hit me. We've been friends a long time. I don't yeah. want to wait for Cooperstown when you're dead. You you okay. gave me one of the biggest breaks of my life. I want to be there with you with my dad who's 83 and my nephews when 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 Rob Manford and baseball gets it right and they understand that the game isn't growing, the game isn't changing properly and Pete Rose could be the huge ambassador to get the Hall of Fame going after Jeter and Mariano Rivera and we can have one of the biggest celebrations Pete in the history of baseball. JT, you you, you I think you'll understand this. But, uh, you know, I'm sitting in Los Angeles right now. I'm 80 years old. I believe, and I could be wrong, I believe I'm the best ambassador baseball has, and I'm not even allowed to be in the game. Because my job is in Vegas when we when, before the pandemic. 18 mm-hmm. days a month, five hours a day, signing autographs for, for fans. Not at a casino, at the mall, okay, at different stores. And all I do is talk positive about the game of baseball. Who else is out there doing that? And and to be honest with you, I think you'll agree with this. Baseball runs the game like they don't know what they're doing. I hate to say that, but uh, the different things that baseball try to make their game better, it don't work. It don't work. Do you agree with that or disagree with it? I agree. I think I'm a diehard baseball fan. I grew up, you were my hero, along with Thurman Munson and a lot of players, and I can't believe where the game is today because I'm a fan and I want to get it right. And I'll wrap it up with this. I think a big part of getting the game right forever is getting it right with you. And you've taken the high road, and you are an ambassador. I see the way that you talk to fans one-on-one, how you hold up babies. You talk to people who saw you play in your prime. And all you want is the best for uh, people, Pete. And more people need to hear your story because the detractors, there aren't many. The ones I talk to are all massive fans, and they want you involved in baseball more. Well, I I used to have guys, JT, that uh, would, would actually say, that oh, Pete Rose can't hit. He can't do this. He can't do that. Well, I end up doing it all, okay? And that, that's just the way some people just don't like the way you walk. They don't, so everybody don't like you on the JT The Brick Show, okay? Yeah. But you've got so many people that do, and you don't worry about people who don't like you because they don't have a reason why they don't like you. What's the reason they don't like me? The way I wear my hair, uh, the way I, the attitude I have, which is a positive attitude. But I'm... I'm the most positive person about the game of baseball, but it's it's starting to irk me because there's just too many changes. They're taking the fun out of watching the game for me as a fan. You understand what I'm saying? It's it, it's not baseball like it was in the '60s, '70s, the '80s. I mean, it's a different it's a different game now. It's all about long ball, launch angle, analytics. All, all that stuff that they didn't have in 1869 or 1969. It's all this, these guys in New York with these suits on, they think they make the game more interesting, and it's not working. I love you. Happy birthday. Thanks so much for doing this. Youpicktrade.com. I look forward to more conversations with you. Have a great birthday dinner tonight, Pete. But I'm going to call you to get your picks for you pick. <laughs> 
I'll give you a few. Uh, I, I got to pick against the Yankees the way they're playing. Thanks for doing this, Pete. Happy birthday. Thank you, buddy. Have a good day. <laughs> you got it. Pete Rose. Wow. 39 minutes with the all-time hit king. That was special. Uh, Pete Rose talking about the peers. I, again, I did not want to go down the road of the Hall of Fame there until he brought it up and talked about the fact that he thinks he'll get into the Hall of Fame after he's dead. And that really hit me hard because I don't want to see that. I went to Ken Stabler's induction after he passed away. It's different. You want to see these guys experience the greatest moments of their life. But then again, I hope you understand that Pete Rose makes a living. He signs autographs. He's going to work with you, pick trade. He's going to do other things. And people should let him live his life. Okay? He took a long time to apologize about betting on baseball. He did. And that probably ruined his chance, as we all know, for the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. But he's done a lot of good in his life. And with Pete right here, he's 80 years old today. And he thought of me enough to call in. And I reached out to him for a happy birthday wish. And if you want to take his picks, I, I take Pete Rose's picks more than some of the hacks in this town that I see on Twitter putting out t- picks who are at 32%. We'll see how he does there. You know, I don't bet. But I encourage all my friends to gamble, and those who do, bet with your wallet, not with your head. Know what you're doing. But Pete Rose, the all-time hit king on his 80th birthday, really appreciate him joining us here and love to get your opinion on our conversation. He said a lot, and we are backed up here. We'll get to your phone call, 702-365-9200. Yeah, pretty emotional talking to him today because it was supposed to be lighthearted. He told us a lot about baseball, but it always gets back to forgiveness, atonement, what you believe, what you don't believe, and no one can debate. He's a Mount Rushmore baseball player, one of the all-time great athletes in the history of this country. Happy 80th birthday to Pete Rose. on their feet here in Cincinnati and a worldwide television audience watching these moments tonight here at Riverfront Stadium. 2-1 pitch from Schaub in the left center. There it is. Rose has eclipsed Cobb. That's number 4,192. How about that? Pete Rose who just joined us. For the first 40 minutes of the show, welcome back. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. There should be some reaction to that. Pete Rose is trending now. A little bit of that hopefully later for that interview. And what he said, that's an exclusive interview. Pete's first interview on his 80th birthday. We were able to get it. And he talked about everything. Everything in his life. Everything in his life. And we'll have that interview up uh, soon on all of our social media platforms. Former Raider, Super Bowl champion, Ed Moransky kind enough to join us. Ed, we were running a little late because we had Pete Rose on his 80th birthday, and now I'm thrilled to talk to you, a champion and a Michigan man. How are you, sir? How about that? Nice to talk to you, JT. Great to uh, talk to you, Ed. Quite a milestone. I mean, I feel old hearing Pete Rose is 80 years old. Oh, my God. You know, a few people had said Crazy. that to me today. Oh, my God, I'm feeling old. Pete's, Pete's 80 today, but I want to spend our time that we have talking to you. Tell me how you got to Michigan and had that unbelievable career before the Raiders. What was it about your early years, Youngstown, Ohio, developing as a multi-sport athlete that got you to become the football player you are? Well, you know, to come from a working man, great work ethic, Youngstown, Ohio, where Obviously, Ray Man, Boom Boom Mancini, the Stoopsers, we all went to the same high school, had great parents kind of showing us the way. I had a chance uh, being six foot seven. I was told that I was going to play football, was decent in high school, had a chance to be recruited by then Ohio State, Woody Hayes, uh, Dan Devine, Notre Dame, and Michigan. I thought JT at that time I wanted to be a pharmacist, the most successful person I knew in my life was my Uncle Ray. He was a pharmacist in Pittsburgh. Michigan had a doctor of pharmacy program. Bo won, and Jerry Hanlon, my line coach, won over my parents and uh, recruited me early. 
And uh, although I went to a Catholic school my whole life, I picked Michigan. And, you know, when you're 18 years old, you don't have a lot of good choices. But that, that was a good one. I, I would do it all over again. What was your highlight at Michigan? I saw in your bio carrying Bo Schembechler off the field after the 81 Rose Bowl. What is your fondest memory at the University of Michigan as a player? Well, that was, that was our junior year. and We had, you know, we had a, a great team beat uh, Washington, and that was Bo's first bowl victory. And uh, I don't know if it was carrying him off or seeing Bo at 3 in the morning having a cigar when I, when I realized that I wasn't going to get cut. Uh, off the team, it could be an outlay. It was that whole day. That whole day was the was the uh, greatest day I had at Michigan. I was so happy for Bo. He was like a second father to me, and to deliver. You know, we we had a we had a uh, we had a great defense and a uh, great offense that, uh, that uh, really dominated that game. That that really was that really was my highlight as a team. Obviously, I had uh, had a you know a chance to. Uh, you know, be all Big Ten and be all American and here, there, and everywhere. But, you know, when you go to Michigan, it's uh, it's all about the team. We've won a lot of championships. And uh, it's really it's really uh, been great for me in life of all the lessons that I learned from Bo that really had nothing to do with football and a lot to do with life, JT. Ed Moransky joins us, Raiders Super Bowl champion. So you come to the L.A. Raiders 82. Tell us about that through Oakland and the transition and Al Davis. Give us the first big Al Davis story in your yeah. life and how he found you. So so at the time, uh, the Dallas Cowboys and Raiders and maybe one other one would do their own combine. And we were at uh, the old Texas Stadium. First time I met Mr. Davis. And... Uh, I, I told him how much I loved the twos and that uh, what a, what an attitude he had and I I uh, I loved how he played and I uh, loved the intensity he brought to the defense and and uh, he and I struck up a relationship then that we had our whole life uh, ended up uh, getting drafted by them and uh, my rookie year was actually we practiced in uh, in Oakland and Alameda and flew down to L.A. for the, our home game, so we already were transitioning, becoming the L.A. Raiders. And, uh, you know, from the time I stepped foot in rookie camp, Lyle Alzado was there. He just got traded. Al was giving me a tour of the Raiders facility at the time next to the airport. And uh, they were sitting on a chair as the twos. And I was half kidding, half, uh, you know, straight, that I wanted his number. I was 72 in college. He was 72 with the Raiders. And uh, he said to me, he said, look, if you come out with me tonight, you could make practice tomorrow. You can have my number. And Al just grabbed my arm and said, you gotta, you got to keep walking. Go. But, uh, you know, it's just so many great memories. You know, I was so lucky to be able to, uh, to have people like Al Davis in my life. He, uh, in, in you know back in the 80s the way he treated the players and the people around him and mark continues it today i mean it's uh you know one of my last conversations with him i, I talked that i still do it with my employees when he gave us the turkeys and hams and i thought it was another rookie prank but you know you show up and you know you're 21 years old out in california and there's the davis family wanting to be part of your thanksgiving those are things you don't forget Ed Moransky, as we wrap it up. So the Super Bowl, and a friend of mine told me that you had a hell of a career as a businessman, too. Eddie DeBartolo Jr., just tie that up, if you can, Ed, your life after football, because it's been very successful. What do you attribute that to? Uh, I, I attribute to the great mentors I had, like Al Davis, like Bill Schembechler, taught me how to, uh, to have great work ethic, my family. And, uh, you know, in the business world, I had my father-in-law, who was a great mentor of mine, Mr. DeBartolo Sr., mm-hmm. who was a great mentor of mine. And, uh, you know, just I was there, and I had work ethic, and I took risk. And, you know, we're, we're, we're doing very well. We employ a lot of people, changing a lot of people's lives, still here and outside of Youngstown, Ohio. And, uh, you know, still following the Raiders. We're at the Raiders-Browns game, still uh, – still have the, uh, the you know silver and black in my heart looking forward to seeing him in vegas this is interesting to me so finally as a businessman you have a lot of success and you get a lot out of seeing other people 
become successful. Ed, what'd you learn so far during COVID and all the restrictions and keeping people employed and trying to keep people encouraged as they fight through one of the most difficult times in our country? I, I think, JT, you have to be unselfish. And, you know, if you think you're the only one going through this, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and I think for those of us that have legs and arms and heads, you have to be out there and think of the shut-ins that can't go even get a handout for food and, you know, just come up with different things to make other people's lives better. And I, I think the one thing that about a month into the pandemic you realize is that tomorrow is unknown. None of us have control of tomorrow. But just be safe and be in it for one another. Try to try to give and do as much as you can for others. And that, uh, you know, during this time, I, I've seen so many great things done that uh, give me great hope for the future of our children. So many young people going out and volunteering and helping. And uh, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this pandemic. I think in another two to three months, everyone's going to have enough vaccine and. Uh, you know, we're going to be back at it, and I hope by the fall the football stadiums will be full. I hope we see you out here in Vegas, Ed. I know the Raider alumni department thinks the world of you. I do. Mark Davis, you got that Raider brick, which means everything from the foundation. So hopefully you and your family are out here and we get a chance to hang out together. Yeah, yeah, we will do that, and I'm looking forward. Uh, we have, you know, Mr. Woodson and Mr. Flores. About 40 minutes from here, going into the Hall of Fame, we're going to have a hell of a party here in Youngstown, too. And uh, I told Mark and all of Raider Nation, we'll, uh, we're going we're gonna to party. It's, uh, that's a special time for Coach Flores and for uh, Charles Woodson. We'll see you there. Thanks, Ed. Have a great day. Thanks for doing this. All right, JT, you too. Thank you. Thank you. Ed Moransky, really appreciate him. Former Raider, offensive lineman, Super Bowl champion, played on one of the greatest Raider teams of all time. So I had to apologize to him. We were running late. Pete Rose joined us for almost 40 minutes on his birthday. And then we have once a Raider, always a Raider with Ed Moransky, a Super Bowl champion. Memorable hour for me as we continue on. Brought to you by Remy Martin, team up for excellence. Hey, when I'm kicking back and talking X's and O's with Ed Moransky at Allegiant Stadium, after my duties are over, it's a Remy Martin Tercet on the rocks Remy Martin, team up for excellence. All right, Steph McKenzie Day. Oh, Steph McKenzie's going to join us. You don't want to miss that on Raider Nation Radio. Raider Nation.